And since we don't grow in our comfort zones, let's get a little uncomfortable for Jesus. Today, Vision Sunday. It's a day to consider where we are as a church, what church really is and is not, what we can do together, and what I believe church for us looks like going forward. Those things. I will do this in very clear ways by first painting a picture of where we are as a church. What the church as a whole, not just this one, but all of them should and could be doing. What we could be doing and what it would look like in a future week of church life were we doing it. I will also offer today a general roadmap or a compass of how we might get there. I will not offer time frames or things like that because I don't know God's timing. But I will share when it started because it already has. I also must add that it was during our vision meeting in September that we start, that we stated the mission which is on the front of our bulletin under our church name. It's also reprinted on the inside under what is Vision Sunday. This was a team effort. I didn't sit down and come up with this. I didn't think it up. I didn't go, oh, revelation. It was a work of several people, including your pastor parish committee and others who were interested in the future of this particular church. I will say this also going forward, that I love this church. I consider this to be my church. And I'm all in on what I'm going to share with you. It means I have to make adjustments in my life and in my schedule and in what I do throughout the week to help this be a reality. I'm going to ask you to do the same. It's going to make you a little uncomfortable to hear some of this. But at the same time, I would rather tell you the truth, then comfort you with dishonesty. So I'm going to start with what church mindsets are by people from one extreme to the other. There's the extreme of church is everything and without it you're nothing to the people who like church is nothing and without it, oh so what? It's like Some people see church as a joke and ineffective, and some people say it's the lifeblood of the community. In all points in between. Some people say church is not only a joke and ineffective, it's pointless. It's self-absorbed. It's self-serving. It's only there for itself and its own members like a country club or a social gathering. It doesn't do anything. Some of that actually is true. Some people say it's hypocritical that the folks who go there are supposed to live for God and they act differently. I've heard that. I've heard that about myself. Did you know that we're supposed to be perfect (laughs) according to people who don't believe that they need to be here because they're not? Did you know that people who come to church aren't perfect? (laughs) Did you know that? Did you know Jesus is the only one who's perfect and He's here and they're criticizing Him too? (laughs) So it's not about whether or not we're perfect. It's about whether or not they actually want to see the church as effective or to know how. 
Now, there's some folks who see church as a Sunday thing. Scriptural, you know. God rested on the seventh day, so I go to church for a little while. That's my rest. Spend time with family. Very, very good notion. However, is church something you go to? Or is something church is what you are? Who you are. The Bible tells us the church is the body of Christ. Scripture also tells us, in case we're confused, that God does not reside in a building, but in human hearts, human lives. Some people see the church as a spectator sport, they go to entertain. If it wasn't good, they'll talk about it. They'll criticize. Well, church wasn't very good today. Church wasn't anything. You are the church. It isn't about whether or not you got something or didn't get something, whether you felt God or didn't feel God. It's about whether or not you are the church. But we don't know what that means real well because the church is too busy talking about everything but that. When the church does not hold its accountability to itself to be the church and explain that and help people understand what it's all about, how can they ever be involved in something they don't know? Truly. There are folks who love the church and this church so much that it's as life and death important to them. Not being involved in aspects of its ministry would be considered extremely odd behavior and they don't understand why others don't see it the same way. Why? Because levels of commitment are there and levels of surrender are only one. You can be committed to a cause, but if you surrender, you no longer have rights. So some are committed and some are surrendered. And some aren't sure what even any of that means. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. There's a world out there that's increasingly seen the church as irrelevant. I understand. You see, for me, I grew up thinking church was normal for everybody to go to because my family went. I thought everybody went. I was not correct. And it surprised me in school when I'd ask uh, someone, well, what church do you go to since you don't go to the one I go to? Which one do you go to? And he would say, I don't go to any. And I would say, that doesn't make any sense to me. Everybody goes. Not true. There are families and generations have never been. And they think that's normal. Just like I thought it was normal to go. When I was in my 20s, I began to walk away from church as a vital part of life. It became something to do on a Sunday. I liked going, but that was the extent of my involvement. Even while studying to be a pastor in college and in seminary, I was quickly becoming disillusioned with the church as I knew it to be. During the early years of my preaching career, when I was pastoring in Illinois, I believed I was tasked with helping the church to reform, to become more like the church needed to be. I began that process in earnest 
at the church I was pastoring at the time. I had an aggressive plan. I had it all lined out in my mind. And I began to implement it and things were taken off. It was at that point in my life when I went through my divorce and separation. And the church I was pastoring didn't want me around anymore. I blamed the church for lack of support. There are a lot of people who leave church because they don't feel supported or that if it's a loving church and God is love, they would love me and they blame the church or God or both and they don't come back. I considered at that time in my life that the church and God were synonymous and neither one was helping me. And neither one was being what it needed to be for my life. I could take it or leave it at that time, actually. But gradually, I came back to the ministry. However, for years, I was reluctant to go all in. Too risky. Been hurt. Things might not be real in the church. I might be wrong about my understanding, so I couldn't commit full-heartedly to something I questioned. If you remember, I told you a few months ago, I I was a skeptic. The word was is operational there. When I began leading Celebrate Recovery with my wife in 2009, things began to change in my mind. I began to see families restored because of that program. Lives transformed, including my own family, healed and finding new hope. And I said to myself, why is it that in one year of Celebrate Recovery, I've seen more salvations and transformations than I did in ten years of parish ministry? Why is that? I didn't understand what the church was missing. But I began to see that there was a vision that God could show of what it looks like to reach broken people, including myself, and begin to be relevant for the world around me. And I didn't understand why the church wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand why they were so busy focusing on anything but that. It didn't make sense to me. And I still didn't like church. (laughs) Because of it. I would teach Sunday school, but I was incensed when they would preach and they would not talk about the people in the hurt and pain of their life and get the church motivated to go out and do something about it. Most of the attitude was, well, if they want to come, they'll show up. (laughs) Pick pick one in the yellow pages, I guess, is what they thought. The yellow pages would be how people would find the church. I don't know about you, but I don't want something that's irrelevant to run my life and be invested in with energy if it's not going to be important enough to do so. You know, when I came here, I said I was a pastor in need of healing coming to a church in need of healing. Church was still a sore spot. And I said, okay, God, you got me here. Let's give it a go. Not all in, but willing to see what God's going to do. Like I said, skeptic. But let me tell you something. I'm ready now. I'm all in with this. What I'm about to share with you, I hope you can get beyond where you're at with 
If you're a skeptic or thinking the church isn't doing what it should, to hear what I've got to say this morning. I've never heard a pastor talk about what I'm going to talk about with you. I've seen some churches doing mission and carrying forth the commandments of Jesus Christ, but I don't know how they did that or how they got that far. But now I'm beginning to see we're on the beginning of doing that. We're, we're, we're stepping in the right direction, if you know what I mean. There are two commandments Jesus gave us. Mm-hmm. Love one another as He loved us. Mm-hmm. And go and spread the Gospel, making disciples as you go. Mm-hmm. Great commission and the great command. Amen. That's it. That's the only two. It's what we're supposed to be about. Making disciples and loving one another. That's our task. As a church, as individuals, everything else is secondary. And I do mean everything. Mm-hmm. So, I'm ready and I'm on, like I said, but I needed to be. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do this and not be all in. You'd say, well, sometimes he's committed. Sometimes he should be committed. <laughs> sometimes he's straight with us and sometimes he needs a straight jacket. <laughs> Sometimes he makes sense and sometimes he's talking out of his head because he's not consistent. If you're not all in, you're not consistent. And I had to be. And I hope you'll become that way if you're not yet. I really do. And I'll tell you why. Because this church has a harsh reality facing it if we aren't. Mm -hmm. If we do not change the way we're doing things and business as usual, there's a diagnosis we got. I'm going to tell you, there's a budget. If you look in the bulletin, um, you'll see the giving to the need of the church. I started putting that in there. And there's a reason for that. It's part of the thing where it started. I started with that as part of it. There are some very serious statements I'm going to share with you. If you look at that each month, we meet it. There's needs and we meet them. Praise God we can do that. Thank God, I'm thankful we do that faithfully, season after season, year after year. But I want to share with you that we are two tithers, two, and it doesn't matter which two, two tithers away from being unable to. Two. That's truth. That's not, oh, you're just saying, no, it's true. If we lose two tithers, we're in financial difficulty, people are going to have to step up more than may not be able to. That's a reality. In other words, what I'm saying is, we're doing well, but in the future, some of us aren't going to be here anymore. They're not going to be able to give because they won't be alive to do so. And there is a need for that to be replaced or increased. By somebody, and we pray that it's not just folks who are here, but additional. Amen. I like to say it this way: we're two tithers away from being dysfunctional. <laughs> we're we're two tithers away from going crazy about what are we going to do? Having bake sales to pay the electric. There was a church that did that. There was a church that knocked on doors to get the pastor's salary because they didn't have it. I don't want to get us there. I don't want to see that. The long-term outlook of life and who's going to be here in 10 years is not really great. But the writing on the wall, listen to this, the writing on the wall about this church was written in pencil. Mm -hmm. 
It's not written in permanent ink or Sharpie. God's not done writing the future of who we are and what we're about. But He has told us, and we're aware of the 400 people within a few miles of this church who don't go to church or who do not believe. 400. You know, there could be a couple folks in there that might need to go to church. They might need to know about it, right? Many of those are not in a right relationship with Jesus, including folks here in this service today. And sadly, many people think that their relationship with God is good because when you ask them what they say uh, and believe about God, they say, I believe in God. Amen. I'm not sure what that means, but it doesn't mean that you have a good relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. We've taken that phrase when someone says, I, I believe in God, to mean that things are good in their life. But it isn't good at all. Belief and action go hand in hand. And the demons in hell all believe in God. And they shake Mm -hmm. and tremble because of that belief because they can't be a part of God. And they're not able to be a part of the kingdom. So we may say we believe in God, but do we tremble if we aren't living out of a love relationship with Him. Because we do what we believe regardless of what we say to get people off our back. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe that statement is. I believe in God. Leave me alone. Same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, I believe in God. Now, don't mess with me about religion. God is not religion. Jesus is not religion. No way. Religion is man-made. That's right. We're not talking about that. Now, this morning I believe, and I think you would agree with me on this, that God is called pastor and church together for the season we're entering right now. Amen. Yes, we needed healing. I definitely needed it. But both of us did. All of us, in some way. And I really thought when I came, that's the reason God called me here. Healing. It wasn't wrong. It was just, there's more. Why? Because God has done a restoration and we're still together. So there's more to do. I'm still here. You're still here. God says we're not done yet. We needed to learn we could trust each other. That was tough. Because I had a trust problem and church had a trust problem. Why? You know why. Because churches and pastors don't always mesh. Mm -hmm. Things don't always go well. I'm not telling you something you don't know. I'm going to tell you, you know a lot of people who won't go to church because of a pastor. Or more than one, for that matter. I believe trust with us is established. May have taken a few years, may have taken less for some of us, but I believe that's established. Now we need to go forward with what God has called us together to do for the next season. So what I'm asking you to do right now is to suspend judgment on what I'm going to say next. Keep an open mind and reserve doubts and criticism until next October at the next Vision Sunday. One year. Be all in. 
and spread the news. Stay positive with me. Stay the course and stay focused on the big picture. The big picture doesn't come into focus all at once because it's too big. You can only see parts of it at a time. That's why God doesn't show us all He's got planned all at once. We'd try to do it all at the same time. We can't. Some people look around and say, well, there's 35, 30, 40 in attendance on a Sunday on an average. And they say, you know, that's not very many people. We used to have a lot more and, and they see it as a negative. I see it as a positive. Do you know the average attendance before I got here was 25? 25? It wasn't 70 or 80. It was 25. I asked. Why? Because I wanted to know whether or not folks would be involved. But let me share another reason why I see this as a positive. Most churches our size are in decline. We've held steady and actually grown a few. Did you know that? On our membership role, we've replaced members that we can't seem to locate names for with people that actually have names that attend and are part of the church. But here's another positive. We are in the top 20% of all churches in size. We are considered a medium to large size church. And you go, 35, how's that possible? They got 15, some have less. Some churches have five or six. Some, but the average size church in the United States is 27 people. And we're looking at these big churches and all they're doing, and we're going, we're not like that. No, but we're also not 27 people or 15 people or 10 people just trying to keep doors open. It's not what we're trying to do. We are a medium-sized church. Hear me. We are not a small church. We're not a small church. We can't think like a small church because we're not one. But we have. And I have because I have that kind of thinking process. But God had to help me lose that mindset for me to grow. And He's going to have to help you do the same if we're going to grow. God called us. Not the size of the church or the size of a budget, but us, God called, because of what He can do. What He asks us to do, He will empower us to do. doesn't matter how many people. The Brooklyn uh, Tabernacle Choir, big, huge tabernacle started with seven people praying together. Seven! That's it! Seven! Thousands attend! You think those seven are going, we're going to have a thousand people next Sunday? No. no. It takes time and prayer and people willing to say, I'll do what it takes. Because I believe in what God's called us to do. <clears throat> now I'm going to explain to you a little bit about how we're going to go forward with some of the things we're going to do. And one of the things I need is a, a few people preferably five or more, to invest several Sunday afternoons or evenings together learning how and then going out to begin implementing what I call phase one. Amen. And that phase means learning our community. Mm -hmm. How can we minister to people we don't know? 
We can't tell them what they need. Church has been trying to do it backward. You need Jesus, you need to come to us. People said, that's irrelevant. We don't even care about a Jesus, let alone that you think we need Him. Because you don't care about us. All you care about is your church. That's how it's been for years now. And that's why the church in many areas is in such a bad state of decline and why people can't believe in it and stay away. The process of doing that will take a little time. I kind of outlined it in the bulletin, the phases. But I'm going to be encouraging each person here today and each person who attends here or shows up even on Wednesdays to be involved in at least one training or educational opportunity. At least one. And one nurturing ministry where they receive something. Where they can be blessed too. Mm-hmm. And encouraged. We're going to inventory our community. There's certain things we don't know that the demographic sheets we got didn't tell us. And they're crucial for us to do what we want to do for God and what we believe He's asking us to do. I'm going to establish training on how to present Jesus to people in ways that are not offensive to others. So you, people say, I don't know how to share Jesus. People are not getting mad. Would you like to know? Instead of saying you don't know how. How would you like to have about a half an hour to 45 minute training and then all of a sudden you can go out and do it? Engage. Amen. We can do that. And I plan that. We're going to nurture our members. This is coming from the vision planning meeting. We're going to nurture our own members here within because they need to know we love them too. Don't you like to know that people are glad you're here? <laughs> I'm glad you're here. If you weren't here, it would be mighty lonely right now. It would be. But we want to increase the reach and the scope of our pantries. And I did say pantries because we have three. Some people don't know that. We have the clothing pantry, the food pantry, and the thrift store pantry. Three. And we believe that God is going to expand that and double its size. Now you say, how are we going to do that? We are not. God is going to do that. And we believe He's going to give us the resources and the people to do it in His timing and He'll show us how. I don't know about you, but if you would see a hundred people on a Wednesday night coming to get blessed every Wednesday and they're saying, wow, what else does your church do? And we say, blah. And they say, wow, I want to be a part of that. I never heard of a church being like that. It's because churches aren't like that. And we want to improve our grounds and our amenities here. And we've already started that. A lot of things and plans there. Because we want this church to be community friendly. Which I mentioned on October 7th. By simply stating we're in the process of improving the basketball court. Why? Because we have kids there six days a week. And when we're not here on Sunday playing basketball. And we want them to feel welcome and have a nice place to do it. But there are other plans for that as well. That we want to use to bring even more people onto the property to use it. Like three-on-three tournaments and things like that. 
Why? Because we've asked the community what they would do if we had a nice court there. They, and I said, what if we had a three-on-three tournament? They said, could we come no matter what age? Could it be male or female teams? And we said, yes. And they said, we'll do it. But, how can we do it if we don't do it first? We have to have it to present. Amen. And you can't just say, okay, tomorrow we'll put new goals, we'll clean it up, make it look nice, and the next day a whole bunch of people come and play three-on-three tournament. doesn't happen like that, does it? No, you have to understand why we're doing what we're doing because once they come, we need to talk to the folks and understand how to talk to them in a way where they understand that we love them. Folks are going to say when we put playground equipment out there, you're doing it for your kids. Um, The youngest one here is in high school right now. We have some folks in the nursery, grandkids. We are not doing it because we have a bunch of kids. We're doing it because we love children in the community. They have nothing to do. To show we love. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can't just all of a sudden, boop, there's a playground, let's do it. Now all the kids will come and it'll be a great place and they'll all come to Sunday school. just doesn't work like that. They have to know they're loved. Mm -hmm. And they have to know why we're doing what we're doing. They won't know if we don't tell them. And we won't tell them if we don't decide we're going to help and be all in. Because we'll say someone else will do it. That's exactly how the church got where it is. Someone else can do it. Setting up for stuff, for example. Two people did one setup, And they were exhausted. And they didn't know why anybody was there to help. Because nobody else knew. Because they, nobody else was asked. They would have come, but nobody knew. And so they were exhausted. We're not going to be like that. We're going to communicate and share these ideas and what we're trying to do. So you can be involved at a level you can be involved. Your gifts and your talents are needed. Amen. You just may not know what they are. And you're going to be able to learn that through one of those trainings. What you can do for God, you can do for God. You can do it. You have something God needs or He wouldn't have made you the way He made you. He would have made you like me and you'd be up here. And then He would have made me like you and I'd be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if you don't know what that you're supposed to be doing is, it's because we haven't had a chance to say, let's learn together. Well, we're ready. It's time. And I'm excited about that. Well, you know what's really neat? We say... Improve the amenities. and How are we going to afford all this? It's already started. The vacant lot up there is actually going to provide us some income to do some more things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It will help. See, I don't think you put the two halves together yet because we're still at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. But the first half was where all the youth were here and the blue building was needed for that. And so we talked about, look what God did. Mm-hmm. And we used that blue building for it and maybe God can do it again. It's not there. Mm-hmm. And soon that lot won't be ours. And so God's saying, you're not going to do what you did. You're going to do what I got for you to do. Amen. you got another thing coming. And you can't do that when you're trying to do what you used to do. God's going to do a new thing here and He's already started. We're moving away from what was to what is and what will be. And it is time for us. Mm -hmm. We'll be pouring into those who are already coming. 
and communicating on a regular basis what's going on so you're not in the dark about any of it. As a part of that, our database of your information will be updated so we can make sure we know how to keep in contact and the best way to do that. That's all phase one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Phase two, specific need-based ministries on what we learn about our community. Many of these will be small scale. Just a few people involved in what is being done. And it might be off campus. Mm-hmm. Like caring for someone who's hurting in their home. Amen. Or taking them a meal like we do already. And increasing the scope of that. Truly, people won't cross the street to a church that is self-absorbed. But they'll drive 45 minutes to one that makes an impact. That they feel connected. That they feel that they can make a real difference by being there. And are a part of something bigger than themselves. (coughs) Typical week. Well, I began to outline it a little bit, and this is short and sweet. Imagine this is a center where people come for counseling, for guidance on how to have a better budget and set that up for parent care, child care, learning how to do that. Other dreams and visions that people have shared. We have people asking, how do I implement a healthier diet because I don't know how to eat right and I'm struggling. I'm getting people asking me for this help. I'm, at, I'm getting people now asking for help with budgeting. How do I set up a budget? I'm financially in a quicksand and I don't know what to do. These things are now being asked of us and we don't do anything about it because we haven't made plans to do that. We didn't expect to be needed like this. <laughs> but that's because we thought we were a small church. Events. I mentioned the basketball court. Imagine our fall festival with hundreds and hundreds of people here. Mm -hmm. And you're going, oh, that's too many. Well, they're not just going to be hundreds and hundreds of people out there. They'll be also here on Sunday morning. Amen. Helping, doing the work. Not just a few, but everybody pitching in. That's the typical week. We're in seven-day-a-week ministry. So today I'm asking you to prayerfully consider what I've shared. And ask God to move you into action. In the coming weeks, you'll hear about different things on Sunday afternoons, evenings, and I'm encouraging each person to say yes. Each person. It's what the church should be doing. The reason people don't go to church and don't think it's relevant is because the church doesn't care about the community enough to be in their homes. Amen. Number one, criticism of a pastor. All pastors, not just me, but I get it too. I'm not in the home enough. It's true. Number one. But there's a second underlying one, and that's that the members aren't in each other's home either. And we can do something about both of those. Mm-hmm. We sure can. So, I w- want you to know that the church loves and carries the gospel in that order. That we love and then present the gospel. But we tell them why we love them. Mm-hmm. 
I hope today that what I've shared with you encourages you about the tomorrows that we'll face together. I really do. That verse on the screen is the one I'm going to close with. Why do we call Him Lord and not do what He asks us to do? Love one another without reserve and go. It says go and spread the gospel, making disciples and baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the Great Commission. Both of those things are our mission. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. I ask that you would take this time in this moment to speak to our hearts, to speak encouragement, to let us know that there's a whole lot more coming that we just can't think of or imagine if we'll just be faithful. That you will do the increase. We'll just plant and water like Paul and Apollos did. Heavenly Father, you give the increase. And I'm asking this morning that you would help us to be a group, a church, a part of the great church, the body of Christ, about your business, doing what you've asked us without excuse, without apology, but with joy because you have considered us part of your kingdom. Us who once were not a part of anything. Make us one in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, now, if you're going to wonder how I'm going to close, it's real simple.